ask people what they need, whether it's internal or external. And can you deliver that? If you do, say, you know, deliver what you say you're going to deliver and, and try and do it on time. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to episode number six. I'm here this afternoon in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, above the exhibit hall at GeoConvention with my guest, Jay Williams. How are you, Jay? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, Paige. Thanks for being here. Jay is the Contract and Tender Management Director of Weatherford Canada Limited. Before we go deeper into your role, could you please enlighten our audience of how you began in the industry? I actually only had one job interview. It's going to sound kind of weird, but when I graduated from engineering, I was I had been so busy up until that point. I just ha- actually hadn't applied for anything. A uh, really cool job came across my desk because I was a liaison with the faculty and the students, and I was like, oh, look at that. I should apply for that too. And so I ended up getting an interview, ended up getting hired. When I uh, was talking about the interview after uh, to some family and friends, they're like, how did it go? I was like, I think they were trying to sell me <laughs> on getting this job. So we ended up, uh, it, it ended up being a real cool place to work. So I got a chance to spend some time in the field. Then I got a chance to uh, manage a small group of people. Then I got moved into sales. And so it happened pretty quick because I hit it just as the industry started to uptick. So again, a little bit lucky. Although when I came in to do some sales, it was 1998. Oil ended up getting down to, I believe, if you uh, look at the actual price, it was about $12.80 Canadian. That's way below 100, yeah. way below 50. And we decided we needed to have a few more sales people on the streets at that time. And so I was like the new guy. And I was running around and I wanted to call people. And, and we had some uh, good contacts. And my boss would slowly hand some customers off. The interesting thing was is I had called a few guys because I was just excited. And one guy was like, look, we're not doing anything. You, get, you, you guys were really good friends of your boss. You get all of our work. Uh, we'll call you. It's okay. And I was like, ah, darn. But all gung ho. All gung ho. So that that's really how I ended up getting started in the industry. And you know, lots of ups and downs. We're just coming out of a real down cycle. But I really enjoy. I mean, it's fun to be in. It's uh, they reward hard work. There's opportunities even with low oil prices, and you just gotta be open to them and take advantage of them. Right. That great story. So now let me get it straight. You started with Weatherford? Kind of. So Weatherford has bought a lot of companies over the years. So I've heard. So I've heard about 500 actually. So the interesting thing was they had actually purchased our company, uh, sort of. I worked for a company that was owned by employees, and then it was called Reeves. We got bought by Precision. Uh, We got turned into a different type of Precision company. Then we got sold to Weatherford. So I had a whole bunch of business cards in about 10 years, uh, but they were all actually the same job. Okay. And then I worked for Weatherford for a bit, and at the time, because of all the acquisitions, it it wasn't awesome. And I'm just speaking about my position there. There was a lot of change. 
there was a lot of stuff not working right. And because I was sort of an intermediate sales guy, but also pretty gung-ho, I just couldn't get stuff fixed. I wasn't in that role then. So I decided to take a break. Okay. So, so tell me about your role now. So I, I came back two years ago. I had about nine years off. Uh, two years ago, and I was actually, uh, my original title was Director of Sales for Formation Evaluation. So for Canada, it was responsible for putting together solutions that would solve customers' problems using multiple product lines. And so anything where we got data downhole, so, and, and we wanted to combine it together. At most big companies, in, including Weatherford, the product lines are siloed. So I was a, you know, this cross-platform, cross-silo guy that could get people in the right spot to put it together. So it was really very engaging. It was uh, what I had been used to, mm-hmm. where I had some knowledge. That led into my new role now, where I'm the contract tender uh, management director. Really what that means is I'm helping sales teams put together the value statement for our customers so they know exactly what they're going to get. Hopefully, we're asking, you know, what do you really want so we can put together the right solution. And then on the other side of that, the flip side is is we want to make sure we have contracts done that are good for both us and our customers. Sometimes we try to take advantage of each other, and, and so part of my role is to make sure that uh, it's fair for everybody. A, a little bit of transparency, really? A little bit of transparency. I mean, that goes a long way. Our business is different. Right. It's evolved with time. You know, when I started in the business, it was literally still handshakes. It was like, here's a price. You like it? Okay, let's go to work. Yeah. And a lot of times the guys are like, good, the rig's moving tomorrow. We'll need you in a week. That is much different than what it is now. And I think for the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it, it what, that worked really well when things were smaller. The spins weren't quite as high. But now with shale gas, uh, horizontal drilling, multi-stage fracking, we're talking huge dollars per well that just wasn't spent before. We need a little more structure around that. So, again, it, it really goes down to communication and transparency, mm-hmm. and that's really a huge part of my role is to make sure people communicate to each other and that it, you, know, you can really see that this is what was promised, this is what was delivered, Let, you know, let's get the job done right. The right. right. You know, that's it. Yeah, so what are some other challenges you've encountered most of the customers right now really focused on costs. Right. And so sometimes what we're seeing, and it's both to, for our suppliers to Weatherford, but also for us supplying to the EMP companies, is we're very focused on saving a nickel, but sometimes it costs us a quarter. Right. Yeah. And so we were trying to take a more holistic look where we're trying to lower the total cost of ownership. And that goes internally and externally, where we're actually saying, here's a better way to do business. The problem with oil and gas companies, including the service side, is that we're very risk adverse. Right, yeah. Because, you know, when something goes wrong, people can die. Yeah, right? You absolutely. Know, so, so a lot of people that are outside the industry, they don't really understand that. What I'm trying to help our teams with is phrase that conversation better so their value is incredibly transparent. It's very upfront. It's like, let's do business different and better. And Here, safer. Safer. Here's what you're going to save. Uh, here's the dollar cost amount. You know, here's the here's what's going to happen if you have a problem, whether it is people or, uh, you know, a safety problem or just stuff doesn't work the way you want it to and you don't get what you need. We're trying to phrase those better so we can deliver a better solution and, and make the business better. I mean, it's we're trying to get oil and gas out of the ground. We're trying to get it out as profitably as possible, and that's really 
you know, my role in a nutshell. That's a lot to take in, actually. So if you had a piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? That's a great question. It would really focus around teamwork and communication. We have problems with that in our business. I don't think it's any different from any other you know, large business where you really need to ask people what they need, whether it's internal or external. And can you deliver that? If you do, say, you know, deliver what you say you're going to deliver and, and try and do it on time. Great advice. So what book influenced you the most? Yeah, that awesome question, Paige. I've, I've read a lot of books. One that really changed my life, because I have been in sales, was uh, the original Challenger sales book. So if anyone is in that business, listen to your podcast. If you haven't seen that or read that, you should, because it really talks about telling a story a different way. One of the companies I worked at was an innovative technology type company, and mm-hmm. that really changed the way we approached just our entire business. I use that even today when I'm doing internal stuff. When I want to convey a message, I want to make sure it's clear. But you also need to compel people to act. You have to have a reason for that. Whatever that trigger is, financially, great. Safety, great. But tell it so it makes people want to take action so you can get work done, right? Right. What's your most used business tool? Well, I use a few. I'm not a millennium, as you could probably tell from the conversation. However, I do like technology. The, well, the one I use daily is Trello. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a to-do list app. I like it because it's cross-platform. So I can use it on, because I have a work iPhone. I have an Android phone. Uh, I yeah, I see your, your little <laughs> thing of phones over there. My collection of phones, yeah. And so uh, that helps me keep organized. What I found is is you need a little bit of flexibility in your day, but that makes sure I don't miss some of the major pieces. And so I'll, do, I'll, I'll get organized in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then uh, try and get a whole bunch of work done. And then every sort of Sunday, Monday morning, I kind of get organized on the major points for the week again. Mm-hmm. But I use that one religiously daily. I mean, I don't put every little small task in, but mm-hmm. I make sure the big ones don't get missed now. Yeah. And that really makes a, makes a difference. I think I'm more productive because of it. But as long as I'm not over analyzing just so I can get stuff moved off the to-do list. I mean, it doesn't mean that I don't put in, hey, I made a to-do list, great, and check that off. Priorities are, it's hard to get that in order and stick with it. Mm-hmm. Well, and we find in a lot of businesses, but especially on gas, lots of fires. Yeah. So you run around putting out fires, but you actually don't get as much accomplished. So you have to decide what's important so then you can readjust if you need to, because, you know, a fire could be really important. However, you got to keep the end goal. You know, what you want to do this week or this month is or this year, those are still really important. So they have to be front and center. One of the pieces of advice I got is, is don't put too much on your day because you'll need to put out a few fires. But make sure that you have, you write down the three things you want to accomplish. Sometimes I only get one done or two, but I find that three is the right number. I got three major things that I'm working on each day. And then that, the rest of the stuff, I know I've prioritized to another day or another week. That's great. Um, what's your most important lesson learned? Hmm. A couple? A couple, yeah. You know, I, you know I've, I've learned, I've had some great mentors. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that they said, especially when I was a little more gung-ho, is that you need to be organized, you need to plan better, and know that you're not going to accomplish everything you want to immediately. If it's worthwhile, it'll take time, but it's the right thing to do. 
when I came back to Weatherford, that was actually some really good advice because that's probably why I left is I wanted to fix everything now and it just couldn't get done. So I was working in just a ton of hours, not being real happy. And so I decided to have a little break now that I'm more mature and uh, I've come back and I can make a bigger difference here now. Although that was definitely part of the agreement when I came back was is that I could fix uh, broken stuff. That's my subtitle. What's your favorite podcast? Well, I've got... Uh, I, I used to uh, do a lot of sports, and so recently uh, I've got my health more under control than before. Part of that was that I listened to some fantastic podcasts. I mean, I'm very interested in sales and business, but the podcast on the health side right now has just exploded. There's actually too much to absorb. Uh, one of my favorite ones uh, is uh, Ben Greenfield. He's mm-hmm. a triathlete, so I listen to him because he has all kinds of stuff. However, when you're a salesperson in oil and gas, especially years ago, there was a lot of fun. You worked really, really hard. It was quite stressful, but you also uh, had some time where you know, you'd know even go out with some, some customers after and have some drinks. Yeah. Well, that's fine, except if it's not Friday anymore, it's you know Monday to Saturday, but then you still got to get your eight to 10 hours of work in. And so it becomes a real lifestyle. You know, you forget about looking after yourself. You forget about working out, even if it's only for 20 minutes, five days a week. Until you wake up going, oh, I ache today. It's a different place. Totally, (laughs) right? And so we, uh, you know, I I probably didn't eat as well as I should. Uh, It still worked out, but often when I was, it was burning the candle at both ends. I'm trying to sleep better. That's a key one trying to eat uh, more whole foods and a little bit healthier and uh, and it's paying off I mean I've been I'm not a tall guy I mean it's tough to tell on a podcast but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm kind of a shorter stocky guy but I've I've been a, a large 205 uh, I've been a very lean 180 and now I'm down to about 160 which I haven't weighed since grade 10. Congratulations yeah so it's been uh, it's been a bit of a journey and I um, it's gonna continue so we were talking earlier, and you said you were affiliated with a lot of different organizations. you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, one of the cool things about being in sales, uh, my boss told me this early. He's like, hey, I signed you up for something. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's what's that? He's like, oh, it's going to be great. And so all of a sudden... Oh, that's usually the first sign, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, you know, I ended up getting some fabulous relationships out of the extracurricular volunteering. Met some people that have became really good friends, coworkers, customers. But it really was centered around some of the volunteering pieces in Canada. Uh, Right now, I'm the president of the Canadian Society for Gas Migration, which kind of sounds like a, you know, fart joke, but... uh, (laughs) I didn't even actually think of that. So we, uh, and really what it is, it's around, uh, in Canada, it's called service casing vent flow. In the U.S., it's called sustained casing pressure. And it's really when gas isn't contained downhole and travels up outside the tubulars on the outside. Um, the groundwater is protected, and that's why we call it a vent flow, is usually there's a surface casing protecting groundwater, right. but it comes up and it's vented out uh, in between the, the, the annular space, between the, the casing or tubulars and the surface casing that protects the groundwater. Our group was formed really because we wanted to solve this problem. It cost a lot of money to fix it, and what I had a lot of customers who were like, man, it would be great if we shared information. So we, we put together a group, and really it started out with 12 of us, and it kind of slowly grew. We're at about 170 members in Canada now. We're getting some requests to 
from some people in Australia. There's some interest in the U.S. now. And really it's about taking – it's a small problem, mm-hmm. but it, it's something that we should get better at. And so we're trying to fix wells faster and better, and we're trying to prevent it from happening in the first place. And they uh, – you know, so it, it's, it's, it, it's been a grassroots organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our first workshop with SPE two years ago. Uh, in 2018, we're going to have one at the Global Petroleum Show. Uh, over the summer, we're also going to expand our society scope. So it's actually going to be called the Well Integrity and Abandonment Society. So we're going to look at, and it just is a broader scope now. It'll look at long-term abandonments. It'll be uh, looking at leaky casing because occasionally that happens if you use the wrong type of casing in the wrong right. well. And So it'll be all focused on how to do the right thing for the environment and how to make it more cost-effective for people to prevent this from happening, but also to fix it when it does happen. So it's really about information sharing. It's kind of a cool piece of the oil and gas. There's very little here that people would consider confidential. Right. And so really that's difficult for oil and gas companies because they're really about the, you know, oh, I don't want to tell you what type of well I'm drilling or how because if I do it cheaper or faster in a better spot and get more oil and gas, I win. Yeah. So it's very competitive. This is more, let's fix this problem uh, cheaper and faster, but everyone's into that. Yeah, right? absolutely. So it's really about being sharing information so we can be more efficient. We, uh, we decided to expand the scope more because there is uh, a lot of interest in abandonment wells now and what needs to be abandoned. Well, it's also becoming more required because a lot of stuff's just not producing anymore. Exactly, especially at the price that we're at right now, you know, at $50 oil, which is about where it is today, we, uh, a lot of the wells are uneconomic. So, you know, which ones of those do we keep, not keep? And so what our society wants to do is be this liaison between EMP companies, regulators, the environmentalists, and start to do things that is good for the environment, but healthy for the industry. Uh, so it is walking a bit of a fine line. However, right now, none of those groups communicate well together. So we want to take information from one and give it to the other so we can make the our whole industry just better, right? And so really it's about communication. And it was a gap that we didn't see we or that people aren't in. I mean, we have uh, producer forums. We've got small producer forums. We've had some chats with the regulator. But there's a, a section in there that we felt wasn't covered, so we decided to do that. So our next year will be the big workshop year. We're going to do another one with SPE. At and the, when is that? It's in June 2018. It'll be at the Global Petroleum Show, so it'll piggyback on that nicely. The uh, Society of Petroleum Engineers help us organize it. Um, they're fantastic to work with. And, and, again, we're not a massive society, so we just really like their help pulling it off, make well, sure we got great content, and, and we don't have to worry about the AV part and the book in the rooms. They take care of that for us. And where is it going to be at? It'll be here in Calgary. Uh, the reason we chose the Global Petroleum Show is it'll give. there's a lot of international people that come, so it'll actually give some of those people that uh, are talking about decommissioning and abandoning wells a form to come and chat. We're going to focus on the on-land part. I mean, there's some great uh, in a sort of offshore decommissioning conferences that go on. This isn't Those about are that. usually held by the government. Yeah. Bessie and Boehm and the Department of Energy. 
in the United States. That's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, and, and it is just incredibly different from what we do here on land. So yeah. we just felt this was a nice little niche for us that we could provide some some great content to people to improve their business and to, uh, well, and to make some change. I mean, a lot of our regulations are, I would call, antiquated. Right, and, and who's the regulator? So in Canada, we have the the, pro, the provincial boundaries or the provinces regulate all of the oil and gas. Okay. So in Alberta, it's Alberta. BC has one. The, the uh, Northwest Territories has a has a combined one, um, and Saskatchewan, Manitoba. That's where most of the oil and gas is onshore. Anyways, okay. um, there is a little bit in Quebec. However, they've got a pretty tough drill or environment to do business in right now because there's a fracking ban on there and and it's all tight gas so, oh my yeah what we find is there's a lot of misinformation and uh, fracking is a big one abandoning wells is a big one so you know we're trying oil to, and gas is a big one yeah you know and there's a lot of not in my backyard what people don't understand is there's ways to do it safely um it's it has been proven but people have to want to listen to the you know to the to the facts, you know, I was going to use truth there, but really just have to understand what the facts are, that fracking hasn't contaminated groundwater, that it, it's usually, uh, you know, there's been a bunch of studies in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. that are done, and, and some usually the contamination was because of poor well construction, not because of fracking. And so, you know, they fixed that down there. Now they're not having any, uh, you know, any contamination at all. But it was lumped into the fracking side. So, again. Well, right now I feel it's only appropriate that we announce this week's winner of the $200 steak dinner from Capital Grill. And this week's winner is congratulations to Patrick Pister, the managing director of Lean Oilfield LLC. For your chance to win a $200 steak dinner from the Capital Grill, each week, visit www.bulwark.com forward slash podcast, enter your information, and listen for next week's show to see if your name is chosen. As always, a link will be provided in the show notes to make it easier to enter. If you're not familiar with Bulwark, they are the leader, not to mention the largest manufacturer of flame-resistant clothing in the world. So after you're done signing up for that steak dinner this week, be sure to check out the rest of Bulwark's website to learn more. And since Oil and Gas Global Network's calendar is filled with events, it's, we also need to thank our on-the-road travel sponsors. Lee Hecht Harrison. LLH is the world's leading talent development and transition company that helps businesses simplify the transformation of their talent and workforces to accelerate results and reduce risk. Also helping individuals build their careers within their companies or in transition to new opportunities. Visit www.lhh.com for more information. Also, we've got Total Land Technologies, which has the world's most advanced field land management system, the Landman's Virtual Office. Visit www.totalland.com for more information. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was quite the pleasure and the tour of the bow. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about your company, how might they go about doing that? So my uh, day job is at Weatherford, and my uh, volunteering role for the Canadian Society for Gas Migration, uh, you can contact at either of them. The easiest way is probably just to go president at csgm.ca, mostly because the Weatherford email address takes a little bit longer to say. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but um, what about LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. I believe it's J Williams one. 
on LinkedIn. Well, I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes for everybody. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.